Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is Emily, Henley, and Sammy. And you're listening to Too Scary Didn't Watch. everyone. Welcome to Too Scary Didn't Watch, the horror movie recap podcast for those too scared to watch for themselves. I'm Emily and I am too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Henley and I'm also too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Sammy and I love watching scary movies and so I watch them so that you don't have to. And we have a interesting one this week that I'm very excited to get into. But before we do, first we have a little bit of haunted mm-hmm. housekeeping, which is that we have a Live virtual show this weekend, February 11th. Oh my gosh. It'll be at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. You can get tickets at moment.co slash TSDW. We will be recapping Knock at the Cabin. So (gasps) excited. I am so excited. Can't fucking wait. What's great about M. Night Shyamalan, and that is how you say it, is that if it's great, great. If it's crazy, Great. If it's awful, great. You can't. It'll be. Can't lose. It will be something. Win win win. It's a win win. It's a classic win win win. And I feel like the initial reactions I've seen are strong. And mm-hmm. I'm thrilled that it is rated R. Again, I won't be seeing it. I will be hearing about it. And I'm very excited. The trailer came on TV today while Tim was watching football, and I had to shield Silas's eyes. I was like, Silas, are you able to process fear yet? I can't wait until I know the answer to that because he's been too little to like be scared of anything. Right. Really. He was scared of that Jack in the yeah, Box. He was scared of the Jack in the Box. That's true, but just like obvious surprises, but like visual yep. imagery, right. he's just kind of like, right, right, right. whatever. I don't care. But I was like, this trailer is a little scary. Is this going to give you nightmares? I don't know. We're on the cusp of nightmares. It's wow, possible. What a time. I can't wait. Mm. I can't wait to know about it. I'm so excited. (laughs) It's going to be great. Um, And patrons get 20% off. So if you want to become a patron, you can do that at patreon.com slash TSDW podcast. And now that that haunted housekeeping is out of the way, did anything scary happen to us this week? So many scary things happened to me this week. Um, one, oh my God. One I scary thing, <laughs> per usual, one scary thing I do want us all to talk about, even though we've all talked about it too much, is the Oscar nominations. Mm. Okay. Okay. So, you know, the surprise Best Actress nomination, Andrea Riseborough. Yes. Everyone, yep. no one saw it coming. They didn't know it was going to happen. Everyone's shocked out of their seats. It's a real coup. Um, we've all heard about it a lot. The thing that's scary to me is that Tim and I had a long conversation about it. (laughs) Um, He was asking, what is she from? I was saying, you know, she's been in a couple of movies that we've recapped. Mandy. Um, Mandy Possessor. She is Mandy. She is Mandy. She is the titular Mandy. And it took me a full 24 hours to connect the dots to the fact that she's also the star of one of my favorite TV shows. 
zero zero zero. She's a chameleon, man. I, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear it because she really transforms in her roles. So. I loved that TV show. I definitely talked about it when I watched it like two years ago or whenever that was. I remember you talking about it and I never watched it. I'm sorry. Never watched it. Okay. For anyone that's listening who hasn't seen it, like go watch it. I mean, it's pretty fucking dark and it's really fucking insane. And the ending is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life, but it really flew under the radar when it came out. I feel like people didn't talk about it a lot. I feel like it wasn't watched enough. I was obsessed with it when it came out. And I think that I was just scared that it took me so long to realize that she's the actress from it. I was like, Oh no, my brain has holes in it. Like I have like Swiss cheese brain. I don't remember anything. No. I can't again, remember you gotta, anything. You gotta, you gotta give yourself more credit here because again, she's a chameleon. She is yeah. a real she chameleon. Does. She disappears, she disappears she in this role. not you, it's her. She's probably the ugliest haircut you'll ever see in your whole goddamn life in that show. It's so ugly. But man, oh, man. I loved it. And it's just, this is just an excuse for me to get to God, talk about I'm that just, TV show again. <laughs> I'm imagining what this haircut could be. Oh, you got a Google image uh, search. I went straight it. to Mackenzie Davis in Halt and Catch Fire's first season. Oh, that it's haircut. worse. It's so much worse. You know what I was thinking of is Jessica Chastain and Mama. Ma- what was that? Mama. <laughs> What's it? Is it Mama? <laughs> what is that? I think it's, it's not mama. like that, yeah, yeah, but mama. it's like similar yeah, wig vibes. <laughs> similarly similarly <laughs> that shocking. It's yeah. really bad. Uh, her real natural hair. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, how did you guys feel about the Oscar nominations? I guess I was when all that came out. I haven't looked into it too much. When people are like, "Oh my god, how could this happen?" We're conducting a review. I was sort of like, "There was how could if they were so surprised? Why did they announce it before dealing with it?" I'm sort of like, "How did it get away from them?" Like that's the part of the process that I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, they that's were kind compelled of to to say it but then be like but but now we don't know and it's like i don't know i guess i don't get it bureaucracies are all broken none of them um, work, it just so. feels like you guys are the ones who said that this happened so how could you be surprised if you're surprised <laughs> I, I don't know i just don't know yeah. i don't get it and also yeah. i have swiss cheese brain Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, my feelings <laughs> is that justice for mia goth is my main takeaway yeah, justice for mia goth. mia goth and mia goth and pearl yeah, I mean, um, I have incredible performance. Paid a ton of attention to the Oscars and justice recently. for nope, justice for horror yeah. in general. Yeah, they never Just. get they never get their due at the Oscars. They really don't. No, <sighs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's how I yeah. feel about the Oscars. I thought about it very little because I am so. All I do is homework, as you know. Mm-hmm. I can't even believe I'm still talking about it. It's so so. St- stupid <laughs> who cares everybody's busy <laughs> every time I would think about how busy I am and how overwhelmed I am I'm like shut the fuck up everybody's busy but that's all that's that's what happens what's happening to me now is I'm, I'm very busy and I'm always doing work and I'm always sitting in my computer and it like is I keep thinking it's gonna let up and it's just simply not and so I'm I'm just always doing work and that's all I'm doing and I'm tired and who cares everybody's tired but we had an earthquake this week, a first Ooh, earthquake in a really? while, as that I could remember, mm. uh-huh. um, a four point two, a 4.0 something in Malibu, like pretty close, you know, big and, and big enough mm. to feel. And I hate earthquakes so much. They really, really scare me. Like they Mm-mm. I think they're so scary and it, you sh- the, it shouldn't it feels so wrong when it's happening. And in the 10 years of the Janelle, I never once have I felt like neutral about an earthquake. I always freak out. I always freak out. This earthquake happened. 
first of all, thought it was my cats being annoying, which is also how annoying my fucking cats are in the night. Woke up, our like mirror was, you know, shaking against the wall, which I don't know how I thought that could have been our cat cats. But I was like, looked up, was confused. I looked at Joel and he went earthquake. And I went, oh, couldn't care. <gasps> Didn't have it in me to care. Was too worn out. Was like fucking. She's overworked. She's What can I do? What can I do? She doesn't even care about a natural disaster. She doesn't even care about the big one anymore. <laughs> and that's not this. correct. You know, in the status of like things you should care about, an earthquake is up there. Yeah, anyway. but realistically, what are you actually going to do to like what protect you yourself do? in an earthquake? Like, what are you do? I mean, you're supposed to get into a door frame. Like, who's even going to do that? It's really or hard like to a, remember what you're supposed to do. It's really hard to remember what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get, I think, to like an inner corner. And so a, the, a corner of two interior walls is, See, I believe. I don't even know what that means. You're saying that to me in, in my head. I don't so even like know what those walls, words mean. Two walls <laughs> where none of the walls are the outside. Yes. No, I get it now. You know, <laughs> also, you're not supposed to put your bed under a window, which we did move our bed out from under the window. But like, what are you going to do? So that's sort of where I'm at. Just feeling like the inevitability of death and being like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> um okay well mine is taking a turn a bit this is very stupid the stakes are much much lower <laughs> and that is that i discovered that chocolate has caffeine in it how did i not know how that, did you not know that? <laughs> i know i don't know i don't know i bought so i haven't been having caffeine and i bought a like cacao latte oh sure <laughs> thinking no caffeine in there obviously uh, it's like chocolate double caffeine <laughs> and it had 25 milligrams of caffeine i was really really shocked and then it just yeah shook me to my core that i consume so much chocolate yeah did you not realize till after was it like a can where you could see the measurement or did you feel milligrams? weird and you looked it up i drank it in three servings to to minimize the oh. caffeine but i did drink it well, that's, I mean, that's... Because if there's chocolate, I'm I'm having it. Was it store-bought? <laughs> Do you buy it from, like, a grocery store? Yeah. Okay, okay, I see. Yeah, well, and darker, the darker the chocolate, the more caffeine. So, sometimes... Yeah, which is, I usually eat dark yeah, chocolate. Yeah, I usually eat dark chocolate, like, after dinner, and, and, you're, and you're just having caffeine. I just didn't know. So, anybody out there, you know, be careful, be careful. If you're having chocolate near bedtime, be careful. just know that it might be... Uh, you know, keeping you up at night. <laughs> it might keep you up. <laughs> That's huge news. No, no. Okay. Honestly, I really do think this helps curb my sugar addiction is the fact that I, I'm so concerned about it affecting my sleep. So I really mm, yeah. won't eat it because I know that it'll keep me awake. Even like after, you know, noon, I'm worried about it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it's going to be yeah changing my chocolate habits, which is the scary thing because I'm a big chocolate person yeah. well, I'm a big chocolate person. this is huge this is it's huge kind of your whole deal. yeah so we'll see uh, I don't know do I have to start eating milk chocolate now do I switch it up any tips out any there tips would be appreciated there. this is rocking my world yeah. and I don't know what to make of it that's tough um but another scary thing I did this week was watch this week's movie which is Eraserhead Came out in 1977. This was my first time seeing it. This is a classic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Written and directed by David Lynch. Our mm -hmm. first Lynch film here on the podcast. Crazy. It's going to be interesting. I would imagine I can't wait it's to see how this goes. not super well suited for the recap format. 
That's right. I mean, we'll see. We'll okay. do our best. Okay. Uh, it's starring Jack Nance, Charlotte Stewart, Laurel Neer, and Judith Roberts. It is streaming on HBO Max. And we have a guest with us today to talk about this film. She is a film critic, an author. She wrote a fucking book about Tom Cruise. Oh, <laughs> she is the host of the podcasts Unspooled and the AMC Mayfair Witches podcast. Podcast, and she has an incredible cat. Yes. Amy Nicholson. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> uh, of all those things, I think I'm most proud of the cat. He's the cat really is a beautiful, beautiful incredible. cat. And in fact, I <laughs> was thinking about the cat earlier this morning and was like, if Sammy doesn't mention the cat, I will have to. Wait, tell me more about this cat. I don't know anything about the cat. <laughs> it's beautiful. Like I met Emily and Sammy with my cat the first time I really got to meet y'all. Yeah. Yep. And it was a really special day. It was magical because like, I think you were wearing my pants already. I think I was. Yeah. <laughs> Some context there? Maybe there should just be no context. <laughs> no, we're not going to give context. No, context. Um, no, context. no, we have a mutual friend, also been on the podcast, Jessica Jardin, who sells clothes at Flea Market. And she had uh, taken some pants from Amy, sold them. I got them. They're great pants. And I think I was wearing them. And then Amy showed up with the perfect cat. Mind you, we're outside. We're at the flea market. And there's a cat here, which is not something you expect to see. It was incredible. It was really his first time trying out his backpack. My boyfriend gave me a cat mm. backpack for Christmas. And so we were like, all right, let's break it out. Let's break it out. Let's break it out. And he did a very good job. I he have was to amazing. Say. Like they walked over there to so, say hi to Jessica. So well behaved. Mm. Thank you. I appreciate oh my that. God. He's an angel. He's a he's a gray Maine Coon kitten. So <gasps> yeah, he's, so he's also quite large. He like got out and sat on the table. He just laid down on the table outside <gasps> oh. with people around, petting him, talking, hanging out, unfazed. Oh, gorgeous. What a chill cat. Really I special. That was kind of the high point of his chillness because then we tried to take him to the <laughs> farmer's market and he was not chill. Oh, so okay. like you saw him on the greatest it day. It was shock. And then he was so bad at the farmer's market that we haven't taken him out again. But he sure. had mm. one really good moment and I'm glad that you were there for it. And you can just <laughs> I'm imagine so glad we were there. It was that he's the greatest cat of all time from here <laughs> yeah. on out. Yeah. Um, but hi, you guys. It's nice to be here. It's very nice to have you here, Amy. Um, before we get into you, I mean, a true film expert on our podcast, which is very exciting. Before we get into all of that, did anything scary happen to you this week? You know, it's going to sound so silly. Um, it's going to sound very silly. So the context <laughs> of this is that I'm trying to learn how to bake Ooh. because... I can't bake at all. Like, it's always been a thing that I've just said my whole life. I can't bake, blah, blah, blah. There's two kinds of people in life, like mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. who can cook and people who can bake. And I guess probably three people, which is like people who don't <laughs> make food for themselves at all in like any kind <laughs> yep. of natural substance way. But I'm like, you know, people who cook are like jazzy and we're improvisers. You know, mm -hmm. we like live in the moment and people who bake are really good at following rules. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Spoken like a true person who cooks. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like... It's cool that I can't bake because I don't like to follow rules. Yeah, you know? I'm an individualist. <laughs> exactly. But then I was like, that's kind of lame. Like, what if you just trusted that a recipe was right and did it? You know, and as I'm trying to make myself learn how to bake as like practice caring about things. Mm -hmm. <gasps> Do you know what I mean? Yes. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. as like a psychological. Like a way trust the process. Over food. Yeah. It feels psychologically important to learn how to bake. And so I asked my boyfriend uh, for this Christmas. I want a lot of baking stuff. He was like, we got the cat backpack. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> baking stuff. 
Um, and one of the things he got me was like a thing of mini, mini bunt pans Ooh. from Surlatop, where they're like kind of geometric looking tiny bunts, mm, uh-huh. like cupcake tins sort of. Mm-hmm. And I had to do a book club yesterday that was like, we formed this like erotic book club. And so we were doing this like book <gasps> club about like a gargoyle. It's like a sexy gargoyle romance. Oh my God. <laughs> it was like, it's called Romancing His Stone. It's oh amazing. I was, gonna, I was gonna say, we're gonna need the title of this book. <laughs> Romancing oh, yeah. His, his stone. stone. He does things with his tail that are just unbelievable. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm scandalized. And the girl he does it to is like a child actress who's now grown up so it's like sort of she's like 28 and trying to fight her like mom for like power of over her like estate of the money that she made when she was a little kid and she's earning money as a sugar baby on the side to like <gasps> pay for her Louboutins and that's how she meets the gargoyle anyways oh it's a really exciting book and so I thought I would make little bunt cakes and I would call them gargoyle bunts drive me nuts because I was like, I'm going to marble the icing. It'll look really pretty. Yeah. And so, you know, like mini bunts are a hard thing. Yeah. And we've been watching a lot of like junior British bake off and those kids can make it. And so I was like, I'm going to try to grease a pan and flour it like real people do. Mm-hmm. And um, the first batch worked out okay. And I was like, great, I've got this. I'm really doing the process. And I like greased it again. I floured it again. And then none of my bunts came out the second time. And like, I knew they weren't going to, you know, like I flipped mm. it and they're all just stuck. And I was like, I, that is what I was scared of is like, I was mm. scared that I would like work really hard and I would do it wrong. Mm. And I did. And then I'm like looking at my bunts and like really thinking and <laughs> hammering them and trying to like wriggle them out. And there's no happy ending. My bunts, I fucked it up. And I was mm. like, still can't. I'm trusting the process, but the process isn't there for me. But it felt yeah. like a failure. And I was really bummed out. I like, think very sad and scared that I didn't do it right. <laughs> yeah. And, and like baking and, and, and cooking, too. It's like you put in a lot of work. And then if, it's, so much if it doesn't work and it's not good, you're just like, I there, there's nothing to be done with this. Like, it's just nothing. wasted time, resources, energy. <laughs> like, And it's also like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. <laughs> it's a failure. Like, baking is like failure. Like the kids on Junior British Bake Off are crying all the time, you know, and I get it. Like they're crying like it's a nightmare. They're crying like the worst nightmare came true. And it's that their buns didn't work. And like, I get it. And I get these kids better than me and they're nine. And it's like, so yeah, even that's like extra humiliating. I guess baking like rewards perfectionism. And so maybe that's like a bad part of the brain to be operating sometimes if you're like (laughs) trying to work towards perfectionism in other aspects. I will say this is resonating with me deeply because when COVID, right before COVID started or right around COVID, I mean, everyone did this, but I was like, I'm also going to learn how to bake Mm -hmm. because I am 100% not this way. I never follow a recipe ever. And it's, because it's almost like um, I have no control over it. Like, I'll just do a little bit less or a little bit more al- almost to be like, fuck you. Like, yes. <laughs> that's exactly it. You think you know how this is supposed to taste? You don't fucking know. The person who wrote this recipe and practiced it, I've never made it before, and I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Like, what? And it's so wrong. It's like, I am not good at any of this and not an expert, but nonetheless, it's like my my whole body. So I totally understand wanting to teach yourself how to bake. Now I live in a New York City apartment that has like one tiny counter space with, I don't even know where to put an extra bowl, so I can't. Baking would be tough in that environment. Yeah, I admire admire anyone who can bake. There's a world where, yes, it like, you know, it's perfectionism, right? Perfectionism? 
That's mm-hmm. the right word. You said that perfectly. Thank you so much. <laughs> I immediately doubted myself. Um, but I think it also like really rewards the process. Like you mm. get better at it. The more you do it, the more you understand it. Sometimes it'll come out weird. Like uh, Joel got into baking bread in the pandemic like everybody did. And he's similarly a, a he is a cook, not a baker, because he like doesn't like to follow recipes. Um, this is a very interesting common thread with like people <laughs> in my life. It's a personality type. But but he started making bread and like now he he like understands it. And the more you do it, you like mm-hmm. as he's baking it, he can be like, I think this one isn't going to rise in this way because of this factor that I did. Th-. Like so there's something really cool about watching. I'm not doing it, but watching somebody else. Learn and, and learn and grow and like understand it's just it's like a it's like learning a new language it's just like it operates differently you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i believe in you amy is all i'm saying thank you how is his bread so good it's so good oh. it's really good i've had oh. it as well it's so good it's so cool I'm just going to say that it was like my New Year's resolution to learn how to bake and like all of you guys are just making me feel like this is a good path mm-hmm. i think it's a very good path it's an admirable path absolutely and like, when you fail at it it's a real bummer. It sucks. It totally sucks. It sucks to fail at things. But if you, when you succeed, you have sweet treats. And so it's sort of like, it's, it's a pretty great thing to be working towards because that's a great thing to have on hand. <laughs> I know this is a horror podcast and not a baking podcast, but I really <laughs> would love to run the numbers on friend groups and figure out like, are there clusters of friends who only oh. cook and clusters of people who are all really good bakers? And I would love to know if it's a natural underground divider of, of friendships, like who gravitates towards who. Okay. Can I just say, wait, this is huge. This is huge. Okay. <laughs> this is really interesting. This can is interesting. I, I'm just fascinated say, by this question. always worked with a group of women who love to bake. I'm always Mm. in office situations with a lot of bakers. That's like a very common thing in my life. What do you think? Like, what is this? This is huge. Now I want to know. I want to see breakdowns by career paths. Mm -hmm. I want to see breakdowns by jobs. Which jobs are bakers? Which jobs are cooks? Huge, huge, huge. Huge. I'm in the wrong job. I think, (laughs) well, maybe they need you. But it's also like, I've sort of been like, wait, I knew a lot of people in my like office jobs who baked? Love to bake. Love to mm-hmm. bake. And so, okay. wait, it- you guys, we need to stop talking about baking, <laughs> and we need to start talking about this movie. Okay, it is interesting. I'm just saying, it's an interesting divide. It is interesting. And just to throw this out there, you guys, I'm a baker, and it sounds like you both are are cooks. So I just want to. I don't know if that's going to end the friendship. I, I'm but- a nothing. I I I don't do either. I don't do either. Okay. So, so we got what well, we got. One so of we have each. A, yeah, we have a, we have a mix. Mm, we're really balanced. That's Great. magical. And I'm kind of thinking you're right that there should be like a ba- like a calibration in every setting. Mm-hmm. Some people mm-hmm. need to be the bakers. Some people need to be the cooks. And like together, mm-hmm. the collaboration of the different strengths. Mm. Right. It, it's a meal. Yeah. You can't have a, it's a meal. spaghetti without a cannoli. Life is a you meal. Know, how it works. <laughs> Friendship is a meal. And we've figured it out. <laughs> now we've we cracked know. it. We cracked it. Thanks, Amy. We cracked it. The secret of life. <laughs> All right. Podcast over. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, perfect. Yep. Yep. That's a wrap. Um, uh, no, Amy, what are your thoughts about horror films in general, your history with horror? I love them. 
like I wouldn't have said that I love horror when I was a teenager because mm. when I was a teenager, horror was so gross. I think it was like mm. very stabby, very uh-huh. like here's a dumb girl and let's torture her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There were some horror films that popped out like The Blair Witch, which was so terrifying or Scream, which was so terrifying that they stood out to me as like. Those are great movies. They gave me nightmares. I don't know how much I want to revisit that well. Mm-hmm. And then I would say I kind of put horror aside for a lot of my life and then came back to it when I was a film critic because I realized weirdly early on that horror is the genre where all the interesting directors are going to come from. Oh, yeah. Ooh, you know, yeah. for the most part, like that's where somebody who's a real weirdo but smart and has something to say can get enough money to make their first movie. Yep. Mm. Because otherwise they're going to make one of those Sundance movies where it's like a bunch of people like driving through the country and talking about their feelings. <laughs> and like, there's enough of those to me. Like uh-huh. those movies are all sort of the same. And like horror movies are all different in their own way. Hopefully the good ones that the yep. good people will make. And so I have become a person who watches a lot of horror and likes to keep up with horror, but still closes my eyes at the gory parts and still feels like if somebody's getting stabbed, it's happening for real. So mm. you'll love this, Sammy, the new Mia Goth movie from Brendan Cronenberg, David Cronenberg's son. She's wonderful in it. I'm like very team Mia Goth as well. She's and when incredible. I got bloody or pukey, I'm like, well, I'm not looking at this and you can tell I, me when it's fine. I saw it. I saw it last night and <gasps> you better believe I watched every single say I am a big fan of violence. It. I love some violence. <laughs> I think it could have gone further. Oh my God. Can you watch violence and think this isn't actually happening? I appreciate the aesthetics of how they got the blood to go there. Yeah. Um, Usually, yes. I think there's probably times where I get caught up in it. But um, for the most part, yes. And I think there's something that is... A, well, I guess also depending on the movie, but it's it's usually the moment of violence is a moment of relief for me because it's like the build up tension to that part that I find very stressful and scary. And so mm. once it's like the violence Released. is happening, I'm like, OK, great. Now we're in it. It's not getting worse than this. What's happening right <laughs> now? So we're <laughs> so it's actually when I kind of relax and then I am. Yeah, usually thinking about, oh, wow, that like looks really good or that looks really bad. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a big wow. fan of gore. Yep. Part of me wants to get there. Like, I want to ask a director to let me be on set when they're Ooh, filming a gore scene. That'd so be I so can cool. kind of see the magic get taken uh-huh. away because it to me, it's always real. Like, it's mm-hmm. weirdly always it, real. It's something that I probably wouldn't have said a couple of years ago. I think from doing this podcast and watching more and more, it's it's certainly like heightened my tolerance of it. And I think I probably even in, in early episodes would have said, like, I wasn't a big fan of gore. And now I am. Yeah. Bring, you it really are. Bring me the blood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we're watching a movie that doesn't have a ton of gore. Yeah. When it does, it does. What's your relationship to, to this movie in particular? Uh, Eraserhead is weirdly a kind of important movie for me in understanding and caring about David Lynch. Mm-hmm. Like David Lynch is probably of almost all living directors today. The one that I've had the most like contentious one-on-one relationship with. I mean, one-on-one yep. is in like me and his films, not me and the person. <laughs> Where like, you know, the first film of his that I saw was Lost Highway. Mm, which yep. is probably one of his more confounding ones. It's like where, um, where like 
uh, like a guy kind of like goes through this like I, well, I don't even know how to summarize it. Crazy, it's like, one character it's turns hard. into another character. There's a lot of driving. There's like doubles of people. There's like crazy porn parties. Nothing makes a lot of sense. Patricia Arquette's like vamping the whole way and like <laughs> mm-hmm. talking in a way that felt really alien to me because I didn't know a lot about cinema when I saw that movie. Mm-hmm. I just knew Balthazar Getty was like really hot. So I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. <laughs> and you know, you're watching this movie and it's like taking place in an alien kind of landscape where everyone talks dramatically and nothing is real. And I was in a kind of young hot-headed position of being like, well, then this movie's bad. You know, mm. like, yes, you don't talk like a real person. You're I did bad. the same thing. I had the same journey, I feel like, with David Lynch. I feel like I'm oh my God. just a Similar now. response to the recipe writers. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Yeah, you don't know. I know. I think I saw, I think my first uh, film of his I saw was Mulholland Drive in high school. And I was like, well, anyone can make a movie that doesn't make sense. And I just like wrote it off as like, well, it's dumb because it doesn't make sense. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. I was like, he's not even thinking this out. He's just making us do the work. Like mm-hmm. lazy, you know, like he, yep. I feel like, I felt like he was making movies just to laugh at people and mm. pretend that like, everybody should figure it out on their own. But then he knew that it didn't mean anything. And that as much as people like tried to theorize it, he was just laughing at us, Mm -hmm. which seems really crazy. Now that I think about it, (laughs) like you spent all of this time and passion and hours of your life doing something as a prank to feel superior. (laughs) But I really felt that way about him. Yeah. Yeah. For a while. Cause I think I didn't see his more like approachable movie blue velvet until later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that one, I think you can, that one, I feel like I understood more and I can kind of track how to feel about it but it was really a racer head his like movie that felt like it was about what scared him you know this Ooh. movie is like super weird and surreal and strange but it felt like he was being honest about something about himself when I watched this yep. and he suddenly felt like a human being to me oh, when wow. I watched this and now I'm able to go back and like see with him empathy and now I really love the man like I love him deeply yeah, I think he's a tremendous person. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, um, I saw Lost Highway for the first time a couple months ago, and like similarly, like if I had seen it ten years ago, I'm sure I would have had a negative reaction to it. And I don't know. I'm just like at a point in my life now where I feel like I can appreciate it. I'm just like I'm into it. I love it. This is it's it's less about logic and more about emotion. And I feel like that just resonates with me more now than it did then, mm-hmm. which maybe again, yeah, coming back to me being a baker and maybe I'm getting a little bit of a little bit of the cook wow. <laughs> mindset. It's a perfect metaphor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like everything that I think I accused him of, of that he didn't care about people or understand people. It just feels like he loves humankind in such a deep way that I wasn't grown up enough to appreciate, mm. mm-hmm. you know, and like now that I'm older, like you can't really hear about him without hearing about how much he loves meditation. And mm-hmm. like I read his book on what meditation means to him. And I'm trying to learn how to meditate because I'm like a really restless person. But my mm-hmm. boyfriend is like a big Lynch fan and a big meditator. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of put those things in front of me. And like one of the first times I meditated, I suddenly felt like I understood David Lynch. Like Whoa. I was getting these weird images kind of coming out of the dark yes. corners of my head. And I was like, Oh, so if you just open yourself up wider to the universe and Ooh, then I just chase got it, chills. Yeah. <laughs> 
because I wrote down as I was watching this, it's like reminding me of, and I didn't associate it with meditation, but like that moment before you fall asleep where oh, your wow. thoughts get like <gasps> yes. weird, oh. but like really vivid. And then you, some, it's, they sometimes wake you up because it's, like, it's like, and you're like, what? what was I thinking? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, it, it feels like wow. that in a movie. Yeah. Like <laughs> last night I had a dream that I was cleaning out my popcorn maker. Cause I make a lot of popcorn at my mm. house. Cause I watch movies for a living. Love and it. I had a dream that I was like cleaning out my popcorn maker. And as I was cleaning it out, the leftover kernels that hadn't uh, popped were turning into bugs. Like bugs were crawling out of them. And I was like, Oh no, the popcorn had bugs in it. And then underneath some of the popcorn kernel burned bugs were baby mice. And I was like, Oh, I have to get these mice out and rescue them. And now that I'm talking out loud, I'm like, that could be in a David Lynch movie. Like that uh-huh. would just happen, you know? And yep. I would understand it now. Cause I felt whatever that is. I feel it. Even if I don't know what it means. Oh, that's oh my gosh. Cool. I love this. Is Eraserhead his first film or one of his first films? I mean, yes. this is very on, first. Right? Very wow. first. Very Whoa. first. Okay. Um, I will tell you that it has a 90% on Iran Tomatoes, 87% Metacritic, 7.3 IMDb. The Ooh. budget, $10,000. Oh. Made $7 million. Holy shit. It was, I think, originally run just as like a midnight movie, but then certain other directors, people like were really blown away by it and expanded, I think, the screenings. Yeah, like Stanley Kubrick said it was his favorite movie. And when he was shooting The Shining, he made like the cast of The Shining yep. watch it to understand the mood he wanted to capture. Whoa. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's also like an L.A. movie. I mean, it sounds mm. beloved now, but like... He made this movie when he was an AFI student. You know, he was a okay. fine arts guy, like a painter, a woodworker. He goes to AFI to make movies. He's young. You know, he's like in his early 20s. And he's like, well, this is what I want to make. I had this really weird dream about a guy whose head falls out of a window and a little boy picks up his head and he takes it to a pencil shop and they use it to make erasers. And he told AFI, I want to make this. And one of the deans at AFI was like, that's great. And I think you should. And then the other like board executive members of AFI were like, that's so dumb. Absolutely not. <laughs> and so this dean basically tells them, I'll resign if you don't let us make this movie. Oh, and he gives them his letter of resignation and they accept it. And he leaves AFI. The what? dean. Oh, the my dean God. Does. And David Lynch does so like get enough money to make this movie, but it takes him six years. Like he doesn't really have the money to actually do it. So they're. He's working on it just slowly and slowly and slowly for most of the 70s. Whoa. He starts it like in 1971. Oh, my God. Wow. What happened to that Dean? I know. What's up He's with that Dean? He's considered like one of the greatest tastemakers of, you know, Holy 70s history. Like he shit. also was like a pro. He, um, Terrence Malick was one of his protégés. Mm-hmm. He's just one of those guys. Okay. You know, so this guy like knew him. what was up. He knew mm-hmm. what was up. He gets to brag about that forever. Well, he's yeah, dead now, but he did. But he did get to brag about it. Yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> this is making me really want to see it, actually. I'm very curious now. Well, I think time will tell, Henley. I know, I know. <laughs> I always say that. I say that <laughs> so often in the beginning let's of just, these. Recaps. Let's just wait and see um, how you feel in a little bit. <laughs> there is a part of me that thinks you might actually like it, Henley. I mean, there's things you're really not going to like, but. I think some it could resonate. The thing oh, I always think God. about is like, what was his childhood like? You know what I mean? Like, this is like what he's dying to show. And it's like, what did you grow up? Like, what are the images seared in your brain from childhood? Like, what was your day to day? You know, where this is the stuff you're creating. It's like, I don't know. Kind of blows my mind. He's fascinating. Yeah. There's actually a documentary out um, called Lynch Oz that's all about how he was like a little kid who loved the Wizard of Oz. Ah. Mm-hmm. It's like how if you watch his films closely, there it's, it's like all nods 
to the Wizard of Oz. In full disclosure, I'm a talking head in that, actually. Ah! I like, didn't put it together. I, like, I keep forgetting that I'm in that movie, but yeah, I am. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, and, um, I, I'm more of like a Wizard of Oz person than anything, so I like, oh. really open it by talking about like Wizard of Oz as like, a touchstone and how great it is that like here's a person who I think makes some films that I consider to be like so surreal and distancing sometimes, or I used to, but he uses like this touchstone movie that everybody does know mm-hmm. and everybody loves. Mm-hmm. And if you start thinking about it, like it's all, all of his movies are like curtains and they have so many characters named Dorothy. Oh. Uh, it's, a, it's like, it's a real running thing. God, that's cool. That's so cool to be so singularly inspired, like to be like, Oh yeah, it's all this one thing that just blew my mind and is so rich with things to pull from and, I just like whenever I hear the stories like that, I'm like, I can't even imagine being able to look back at my life and be like, it was that one thing. It's that one thing I'm inspired thing. by. That's yeah, like but if you think about it, kind like, of genius. everything in The Wizard of Oz is like going into other worlds, leaving mm-hmm. what you think is normal and entering someplace surreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. But then I think every movie is actually The Wizard of Oz if you look at it. That's to me, that's like my number <laughs> one kind of touchstone movie for everybody. I love that movie. Mm. <laughs> And how do I sound more relatable? I'm like, I love The Wizard of Oz. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get that, we get that. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. <laughs> um, wow, I can't, I'm, I know, I know nothing about this movie. Nothing about this movie at all. And I might, who knows how much I'll know about it by the time we're done. But I'm eager to see. It's the bleakest time of the year, so you know what that means. We deserve to get cozy on the couch, rewatch our favorite TikTok videos, and drink a goddamn glass of wine. If you ever struggle to pick out the right bottle, you will love our next sponsor, Naked Wines. Did you know that when you buy wine today, most of the money goes to things like fancy packaging, big budget marketing campaigns, and tax? That is crazy. Naked Wines is a subscription service that seamlessly connects you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet. So you get a box of the market's best quality wines, however often you'd like, for a fraction of the price. And hold on to your butts, you guys, because the deal they have for you is insane. Just wait. So how do they do it? Naked Wines connects winemakers and wine drinkers directly, allowing for vineyard-to-door delivery at up to 60% off what you would normally pay in a store. By cutting out the traditional retail middleman costs and markups, winemakers can pass those savings on to you without skimping on quality. I can't stop talking about Naked Wines. I love that their quiz matches you with bottles that you love, and each shipment includes wines they recommend based on your previous ratings. I'm currently loving their organic options, especially the Chris Condos Cabernet from Mendocino County, and they've been around for 10 years, and they fund over 90 independent winemakers. So with no commitments or membership fees, you can enjoy Naked Wines hassle-free. And the best part, every bottle is a passion project from an independent winemaker, so you're literally making an independent winemaker's dream come true. So head to nakedwines.com slash too scary and enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website and put in too scary for both the code and password to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 with shipping included. That's $100 off and less than $7 per bottle. So that's nakedwines.com slash too scary and use the code and password too scary and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time, that's nakedwines.com slash too scary code and password too scary for $100 off your first six bottles. 
There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. I'm eager to see where we get here. Let's try. Let's, Let's see what we try. can do. Well, it opens up with the shot of that guy that you just saw with the giant hair. Uh-huh. His name is Henry. I have seen that guy. You've seen that guy, Jack Nance. That guy, I'm like, okay, that guy with the big hair. Yes. But his name isn't a razor head. <laughs> <laughs> that guy that acted, by the way, Jack Nance had to keep his hair like that for six years. Because they were, <laughs> took so long to finish the movie. That is so <laughs> funny. Six years. <laughs> That's so long. The pompadour. Got to keep that pompadour years. alive in the seventies. Uh, tallest hair in the world. It's very funny. <laughs> so the movie opens with like his head kind of floating sideways in space over like a thing that kind of looks like a giant planet. Now I'm realizing as I'm describing this that anything I might say could be also described as something totally different because it's sort of just your impression mm. of what you think right. you're looking mm. at. Yep. Yeah, and then you kind of zoom in and there's these large hums and everything's kind of eerie. Uh, it's silent for a very long time with just this kind of like thrumming soundtrack. There's a hole. There's that man with the boils who's like pulling the levers at a window. That guy, by the way, is like uh, married to Sissy Spacek. Oh. Um and wasn't David Lynch married to his sister, sister at the time? Yeah. Like, basically, this is a movie that's being shot as David Lynch is going through divorce from his first wife, which might kind of mm. seem clear. He, like, got married pretty young. He was a pretty young father. He had a kid at 22. Ooh. That sort of backdrop, I think, for the emotional world yep. of this movie. Mm. Yeah, that does feel important. But he's going through divorce and marrying his friend's sister. Yeah, well, I'll say also that the like sound design throughout this movie is just so um, it's so noisy and it's it's unsettling. And basically every like new thing has a sound. But I I mentioned this to say that my cat hated this movie. (laughs) (laughs) He was on my lap and just could not relax. Like he just kept looking at the TV like what is that? Will you stop? (laughs) Are the cuts, are the cuts at all like the trailer in terms of like going black and like, is is that similar at all? Like in terms of the editing or is it much more fluid? Not as fast as that, but it does cut to, cut to black and, Mm -hmm. um, um, but it's not as, uh, not quite as cut up. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we see Henry's floating head. He opens his mouth and this kind of worm-like creature comes out. I think it looks like vaguely umbilical cord-esque. Okay. And then we go back to presumably Earth. <laughs> I wrote down that it looked like a bean sprout seahorse. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh. Great. Great. And uh, he's walking through a industrial looking area and he gets back to his apartment building, which you can see behind Amy. It's her background. He's oh. uh, in this apartment building. He looks like anxious, I think, pretty much the whole <laughs> the whole time. He checks his mailbox. Nothing in that gets into his elevator, goes up to his apartment building and he's got a hot neighbor who 
passes along a message that there's been a call from Mary and she said that he is invited to dinner with her and her parents. And so he seems nervous about this. He's kind of walking around his apartment. When you look at his apartment, like he's got a torn up picture of Mary in his dresser. He's also just got a bowl of water in his dresser that he takes out and he puts some coins into it. Hmm. He's got moss (laughs) kind of growing from the walls. His window faces a brick wall. He's got this radiator that's really loud. When the dogs kind of bark, he gets flinchy and nervous. And then he like finally gets ready and he goes to Mary's house and like walking to her house is even worse. Like this whole neighborhood is just so torn down and like chain link fence covered and industrial. Mm-hmm. It's inspired by like when he lived in Philadelphia and just hated it. Like he really thought Philadelphia was like hell on earth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like Philadelphia. He had a really bad time. I've never lived there. Who knows? It was the 70s. Um And he shows up at Mary's house and Mary is like this blonde and she just seems sort of nervous and terrified that he's there too. They're kind of like vibrating all of this anxiety at each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's like, you're late. And he's like, I never see you and we don't talk anymore. But he's not that emotional about it, really. Mm -hmm. They're just sort of it it feels very much like they've broken up or something weird is happening. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. they're not in a good place. If this is his girlfriend, things are going really, really wrong. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And he goes inside and Mary's mother is there in kind of the living room greeting him. This is not a welcoming home. It's very like cold and she's not smiling and just acknowledges him. I can't remember. Just says hi. And there is a dog in the corner that's nursing a bunch of puppies but it's like the sound design again is very loud and it sounds like rats. It's like not presented. It's not presented as cute. <laughs> it's, it's um, just like this mama dog being mama overrun, dog. <laughs> mama dog being overrun by puppies. Uh, they sit in silence for a, a while. And finally, Mary's mom asks what Henry does for work. He says he's on vacation. And as he says this, it seems like Mary has some sort of seizure. She starts uh, uh, twitching and the way that her mother soothes her and gets her like gets it to pass is by brushing her hair. And then they just go back to normal and back to talking. And um, she says, oh, Henry works at a, at the printing factory. He's like, so he's so great at that. <laughs> And uh, then her dad comes in and he is so funny. He really made me laugh. He is so, so much more chipper than everybody else. Like he is in a great mood and he's like dinner, like chicken tonight. We got these new chickens. They're man, man made strangest damn things smaller than my fist. And you're like, what is he talking about? He's like, says that he is a plumber, I guess that he, he does, he does puts pipes in housing. And he says like, people think pipes grow in their homes, but they sure as hell don't look at my knees and starts like pointing to his knees. <laughs> You're just so thrown. What is this man talking about? I'm but- so glad you guys described, you gave such great context before diving into this recap, because it does, it just feels like a dream. It's like when yes. you're trying to explain your dream to someone and, and you're I, like, and it made a lot of sense. It made a lot of sense. He's talking about chickens the size of his hand. And he, 
But it's also kind of like vaguely what I feel like the mood of meeting your partner's parents for the first time right. of like, I'm so stressed and I don't know what to say or do in these situations. Yeah, is this how they always are? Do I react to this? How do I talk to them? Yeah. And it's funny, like it's playing these mental tricks on you. Like as soon as the dad is talking about how we put all the pipes in the neighborhood, you're suddenly like, oh, there's a pipe right in front of his face in the corner of the screen. And like, I didn't even notice that there's just like Mm. a big black pipe there. And it's like, you just feel like you're kind of waking up into this reality of, right, that's what he's talking about. Okay. (laughs) And then you go into the kitchen and like her grandmother is there, but she's just absolutely checked out. And like the mom wants her to toss the salad, but it really just means the mom kind of puts the salad in her lap and then tosses it a little bit and then lights a cigarette and just puts it in her mouth. And the cuckoo clock goes off, but the cuckoo clock has a dog in it, but it's just like, well, that's a dog. And then it kind of goes on and then it's time to eat this chicken. And it is all these like tiny chickens, like <laughs> apple sized chickens, <gasps> but they've got, you know, like the wings and drumsticks, yeah. Yeah. But, like the but tiniest little chickens. There's tons of them on this little plate. So and bones. so then they tell Henry that he has to carve up the chicken and he seems terrified to do this. <laughs> and they're like, just like a normal chicken, you know? And so he starts trying to cut it with a knife, but the chicken starts kicking, like, don't cut me, no. And it looks roasted, but it's like, don't cut me, cut me, oh my God. And when he starts to cut into it, it starts like bubbling and bleeding this like dark goo that comes out of the chicken hole, the oh chicken my God. orifice. I have to cut up a chicken right after this. So it's like, woo. Um, and it, when, it, when it starts like, oozing the mom just goes into this fit it's sort of like she's having an orgasm about the chicken but also that it's like a scary orgasm and then Mm -hmm. her having a fit makes mary look like she's about to cry (gasps) and the dad is just smiling like stiff like it's almost like he's been freeze-framed whoa oh my god this is terrible (laughs) this is terrible this is giving me so much anxiety without even (laughs) seeing it or being present um so the mom and daughter leave the room and go into the kitchen and while they're gone the dad is again still just smiling this big smile at Henry (laughs) and eventually the mom comes out of the kitchen and says Henry can I speak can I speak with you for a a moment and we see Mary is in the kitchen crying uh, like stares at Henry crying and Henry's looking very concerned and goes with uh, the mom to discuss whatever she has to talk about. And she asks him if he and Mary have had sex. Oh, and my God. He's very uncomfortable with this question. He says, like, I don't see how that's any of your business, but she's very persistent well, about yes. it. <laughs> and. Um, she keeps she keeps asking him. He's so uncomfortable and. Then she she leans in and kisses him and he calls out to Mary, what like Mary, what's happening? Oh my god. Mary runs in, pulls the mom off of him, is like, mother. <laughs> and we find out, uh, the, I believe the mom says, There's there's a baby, it's at the hospital, and you're the father. And Mary chimes in and says, They're not sure, they're still not sure if it's a baby. And the mom says it's premature. But it's at the hospital. And as soon as the two of you are married, which will be very soon, you can go pick it up. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Cut to them in their apartment. And you get your first glimpse of 
this baby. Oh, and no. and I, I mean, I want to say my like context for this because oh, this yeah. is my first time seeing it. Was there's a line in Bo Burnham's Inside where he says that his dick looks like the baby in Eraserhead. That song has been in my head all day. <laughs> That's my only context for this movie. Is that so that was like literally all I knew was like, hey, this is uh, gonna be a alarming looking baby. <laughs> well, they didn't say they don't know if it's a baby, and so I'm alarmed. I'm alarmed <laughs> given that context. Yep. I want to just tell you guys this backdrop that this movie came out, what, 40 years ago? And nobody to this day knows what that baby is exactly. I don't mean in a metaphorical sense. I mean what that prop was. Like, <laughs> right. David Lynch has never told anybody what this prop and is. And did they, like, like any- throw it away right after and, like... What did it look like? Tell us what it looks like. And like, he even had like the guy who like worked on the dailies. He had them blindfolded when like they were going to have things on screen that would like reveal what the prop might be. So like, it is this great mystery. It kind of looks like theories that have been out there that seem like maybe they could work. Is it's like a a premature lamb fetus or like a rabbit that's been skinned? (gasps) It's like shiny and really fleshy. It looks kind of peeled or boiled, but also like a worm. It also has these <laughs> eyes that move around in its head and like really look realistic and yeah. a tongue that looks super realistic because what we, the first thing we see is like them now in his apartment, Mary's trying to feed this like worm boiled <laughs> oh dog baby and it has this oh little tongue God. and she's trying to put this goo in its mouth and it keeps spitting it out and the tongue <gasps> is just moving in and out. And the eyes are rolling like a real creature. And you can just see on Mary's face that she hates this thing. Mm-hmm. That they absolutely hate this thing. She's mm-hmm. just terrified. And it is just like sobbing and awful and the a, a nightmare creature in their house. Oh, my God. I can't uh, believe Bo Burnham said that's what his penis looks like. I'm never going to get that out of my head. I'm just going to imagine that's like stuck to his body wandering around. Wandering. Every time I see him now. <laughs> Um, and the bottom half of the baby is like wrapped in, in a like blanket type of gauze type thing. And it stays on this little cabinet desk in the corner. This is a studio, very small little apartment. Mm. And we see Henry comes home and he like jumps on his bed in a very weird way that I felt (laughs) like was necessary to mention. It's almost like he crawls on it kind of like a a little dog or like a baby or something. Like a little dog. He kind of like pads his paws across the bed and then lies down. Yeah. (laughs) And, (laughs) um, and then he is staring at his radiator and we get, I think, a flash of that. He, st- he sees a stage within the radiator and we don't really know what that is yet. Um, but that night we just hear the baby crying and crying and crying and crying and crying and crying. And, crying and it's it's animal sounding cries like they're not quite baby cries. They're sound almost like dinosaurs noises like they're it's awful it's a really really horrible sound it's terrible and like he and mary are in bed and they're not touching and they're both just awake but acting like they're asleep and there's this gulf between them and it just seems so empty and lonely Mm. and then she snaps she's just like shut up to this thing this like nervous little blonde is fine like i can't stand it i'm going home and she just takes off and leaves him with this baby oh no yeah, she Uh-oh. says you're you're on vacation. You can take care of it. I need sleep. What's up with this dude's vacation? I, I don't know. <laughs> you're on vacation. <laughs> He's been on vacation for a while. Does he just not so have like, a job? So like, does the printing factory just give you? And if you're on vacation, why are you at home? <laughs> Interesting. Got a lot of questions. 
But so then he goes back over to the baby and he takes its temperature and he's like, oh no, the baby is sick. And when you look at the baby again, it's gotten even worse. It's like covered in boils now and it has what looks like kind of rice coming out of its mouth. It's like, it looks like it looks disgusting, but it also looks really pathetic and really vulnerable. Yep. And so there's this combination of that is the oh. worst thing I've ever seen. But oh. also it's but crying. It. Like it's legitimately sad. Yeah. It's like, I can't help this. I'm covered in boils. I'm the most vulnerable thing on earth. I wish I weren't gross, but I am. <laughs> exactly. I still need help. I still need help. <laughs> oh, and Henry puts a little humidifier next to him. That's oh. his, <laughs> that's the, um, way that he is dealing with it and that is he, by the way literally one of the only thing you can do when you have a sick baby oh my god <laughs> like it's, there's nothing else to do everyone's I mean, like did you put the humidifier on and it's like yeah put the humidifier on like what the fuck else is there oh. why haven't we figured out anything else that's so that's funny the thing is it feels like nightmarish but it also feels like you see him as a 22 year old dad being like what have i done yeah it's oh really my god so hard. it's scary <laughs> That makes me, that make, like really endears me to him, I guess, mm-hmm. because it like cuts so much to me against the idea of, oh my God, have a baby and it, everything will be lovely and you're going to love it so much and the love will make all the good things go away. And you're always like, I know that that's true, but I also know that there's something that parents aren't telling you. There's so much. Sorry to give you like total looks of suspicion, Henley, but I'm like, there's no, so much hardship that, and especially probably in the seventies, nobody was talking about it and male fathers weren't getting to talk about it and him just being like, there's an alien in the house and I yeah. have to keep it alive. Yeah. It wasn't until very recently that people started to reveal like the best keep kept secret of, uh, humanity ever, which is that <laughs> having babies so is fucking hard <laughs> like, and terrifying. No one, literally no one talked about it until truly in the past like couple years. I feel like everyone was like, no, it's great. <laughs> It's like easy and women are yeah, just. Yeah, I mean, I'm tired, but and... I love it so much. And it's like, no, 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 you're fucking wrecked. You and also, wrecked. a newborn baby, a newborn baby is like, what are you? Like, where did you come from? You are not like anything else I've ever held or experienced in my life. Like, they're other creatures. Um, I was saying before we started this, because Sammy did warn me that there was baby stuff. <laughs> um, but now that I'm a full year, and a half out because he's 18 months old. I feel like my hormones have receded enough where honestly hearing about this is kind of just making me laugh instead of like a year <laughs> ago, very I would have been it, like, yeah. a year ago, I would have been like, I can't hear any of this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't We're silent right now. Does he have rice coming out of his mouth? I need to go check on him. And now I'm just like, wow, he's spot on. Like David Lynch. Yeah, it's like that. He's nailing it. He's nailing it. It's exactly it. like that. <laughs> Um, and we see Henry like sitting by the baby and every time he walks away, the baby cries. So he just like continues like sitting near it and listening to this like awful labored breathing that the baby is having. Just like, (laughs) 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 and then he is staring at the radiator once again. And now we are taken back to that stage. We saw a glimpse of earlier and a woman comes out onto the stage and she has these big like chipmunk cheeks and a big smile on her face and a little dress on a little headband and 
And like a Marilyn kind of bouffant. Mm-hmm. And like when we say big, like like big, like it's not the actress has big cheeks. It's like oh, yeah, the, prosthetic they cheeks. put a face on her that's like okay. big, but also really textured. So it doesn't quite, it looks like plaster mm-hmm. more than cheeks. Yep, yep, yep. Like that kind of stucco wall ceiling stuff, you know? <gasps> okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And... Mm. It starts raining. Ooh, it just got like dark in here at <gasps> that exact moment. Um, it starts raining down the same little worm umbilical cord. Uh, what did you call them earlier? Of seahorse, bean sprout, bean Little little mini ones are being dropped onto the stage, and she is smiling and stomping on them, and this like white goo explodes out Ew. of each one as she stomps it. But she's stomping on them not like you're here to watch me stomp on them. She's stomping on them like, oh, I should stomp on these before people notice they're on stage. Uh-huh. She's like okay. trying so hard to keep her smile going. <gasps> like, it's oh all God. great. Nothing and she's like here. embarrassed a little bit that the worms are falling and then she's like, Ooh. oh, if I just squish them, they can stop sharing the stage with me. Horrible. This is just Ugh. one big anxiety dream. Yeah, I'm like, I'm just <laughs> anxious. I'm just very, very anxious. And so the things about this goo, and then you kind of get blown into this black void, and then you're back in their apartment, and he's in bed with Mary again. And it's like that he starts finding the kind of bean sprout, spermy, seahorsey things in bed with Mary, and he's sort of like pulling them out from under the bed and like throwing them away and they're like squeaking and dancing and then there's i don't know big holes because this is where it starts to get weird there's a uh he had earlier in checked his mailbox and found this little worm and he keeps that in a thing on his cabinet and that little worm is dancing around as he's like throwing around the umbilical cords I think oh, right. It's like a cuter worm. That, that he has a second yeah, worm that's it's like, like a smaller. Small, small little guy. Okay. Yeah, it's like a little black worm. It's kind of like a shriveled date looking thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, okay. that worm is happy that he likes that worm. Okay. okay. <laughs> love it. Love it. A it's like a shining secret worm. Light. Yeah. Shining light of this secret little worm. I'm going to hold on to it. <laughs> but these other worms, he's like, fuck these worms. I hate them. And then I think it, it eventually cuts to black again. And we come back up on him sitting on the edge of the bed pulling threads out of his pants and for kind of a while just like watching him pull threads out of the pants I think probably that could be said for everything in the film like it all happens for a while we're going through it pretty fast but like just know that each of these things is weird lingering on him Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there's a knock at the door and it is his hot neighbor Mm mm-hmm and what does she say in this exchange? Maybe oh not. Oh gosh, I don't remember what she says. Okay, maybe it doesn't matter. But she's basically saying, I thought she said like the something was broken in her apartment. Can she come in? Oh, and, she locked herself out. Oh, she locked herself right. out. Mm. So yeah, she, she locked herself out. And can she come inside because it's really late at night? And then she's like, can I stay over? It's really late at night. And Mary is at her parents again. Mary basically is like, I'm, I'm over this. Mm. And like, you're a single parent now. Okay. So the neighbor comes in and she is, she's kind of like a proto Isabella Rossellini. Like he's not going to uh. make blue velvet for basically another decade, but that's like the template. He has the most beautiful nose you've ever seen in your life. It's like dramatic and straight and she's kind of very sultry. She just exudes like grown up 
female, mm. child-free sexuality mm. kind of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I'm coming in. He's like nervous. And his, his default personality is just nervous. He's never like, yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. He's nervous. <laughs> she comes inside. They start kissing. They're in this water bath, and the water's kind of like milky he's embarrassed about the baby though so he's like trying to keep the baby quiet he's trying to keep the baby quiet kind of roughly like it's almost suffocating kind of putting his hand over the baby's mouth like terrified that she'll hear the baby and like his kind of passionate grown-up romantic life will end this like finally good thing he feels like is happening to him Mm. and Uh, yeah then she like finds about the baby and freaks out um and then oh but no but they do have like a moment where they're still in the milky bath and they're kind of like making out and they, he starts submerging himself under the water and the water is really opaque. And so he goes under the water and just sort of disappears. And then she goes under the water and then it looks like her hair floats on the water for a while. Hmm. And the next thing I have written is that the lady in the radiator comes back and we see her singing this song that's honestly it's a great song (laughs) um she says in heaven everything is fine and it's just that refrain kind of over and over i think there are other lyrics but it's like in heaven everything is fine keep going keep going heaven it is like a really nice song (laughs) i like was really enjoying it (laughs) but um he then goes into the into the like radiator stage room with her and is i guess also enjoying her beautiful song and they're looking at each other and then i think she disappears and then he turns around to this other part of the stage and his head just falls off I believe and the baby head takes its place (laughs) yeah and there's also like one of those like barren trees that he's kind of obsessed Mm -hmm. with like you know he's like really obsessed with trees that don't have leaves which is like a thing in in like in Twin Peaks it's like his proto version of the tree that will be in Twin Peaks Mm -hmm. like this it gets rolled on stage like it's part of the act Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah then like when his head falls off and there's this like baby thing then all this blood is starting to like flow and then like his head falls out of like the window and it like hits the pavement underneath his apartment but like in such a violent way um that like his skull cracks open and you kind of you it's like oh you're dead like it really looks like dead dead like violently dead yeah and then a little boy finds this head and seems like excited about it like and so ooh. is the baby head on his shoulders now or he has yeah, no head he's, we're, we're, we're following we're following the head itself we've left the body behind doesn't matter okay we've left the body behind okay yeah so we're but you not do sure see, like the baby head sticking out of you know shirt shoulders yeah, suit like it's jacket. grown out of yeah. the the neck area okay. yeah but the adult well, head the big so hair head gross. has fallen out smashed Found by a boy. <laughs> Found by a boy who seems yeah. very excited by like he's come up on a treasure here <laughs> and he takes it to a store where they uh, s- seem like, OK, yeah, I'll sit there. It, 
they know they know the deal here. It seems like this is a, a drill, a normal drill for them. <laughs> They're like, okay, yeah, he'll be out in a second, or you'll be able to take it in in a second. And eventually, this door opens, and he takes the head into this guy who's sitting at this machine. Oh Jesus! And the guy's like in a pinstripe like, suit. Are oh, we yeah. supposed to feel like fear right now? Are we like dreading the moment his head is going to experience the machine? Or are we more just like, okay, like... It's, it's weirdly just kind of bureaucratic. Like, yeah. oh, you have to pick mm-hmm. up some clothes from the dry cleaner? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. sort of like waiting. Yeah, that, yeah, there's this dude in the back room and he's like, all right. And he takes this drill and he starts drilling into his brain. Oof. And then, like, you see that he works in this kind of factory room where there's all these pencils behind him, like stacks and stacks of pencils. And you have this shot, this shot of, like, a factory where the pencils are kind of fanning by you. I don't know if you've ever seen, like, this Busby Berkeley movie from the 30s, like, Gold Diggers of, I think it's 1933. But there's, like, a number where they have all these soldiers dancing like that mm. in a line, like, over this, like, kind of white and black radiate, like, rainbow shape basically and Uh it's exactly that shot but Mm. he does it with pencils okay um and so you're realizing that somehow his head is being turned into pencils because when it's done then the man in the pinstripe suit takes a pencil and he like sharpens it and then he draws a test line with the pencil and then he erases it with the eraser head and he's like it's okay. Like, and then he's like, a thumbs ra- up. like, yes, it's great. It Wait, works. so he uses his head, Henry's head to erase it. No, this sort is the, this is a pencil the that has theoretically been created from whatever he drilled into his, uh, drilled out of his head. He like put oh. it into this, like this, uh, okay. Oh, machine I see, I see. and out came the pencil. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. It doesn't quite make sense. If you can believe it. Uh, yeah. But it's just sort of there. It's just like, and that's how it works. It's yeah. Um, and then he blows the eraser shavings and then you realize that these eraser shavings that are kind of floating in the air are this thing that you've sort of seen an image of throughout the movie. I gasped. I thought was like, <laughs> like, it's, it was like, like a galaxy, like space. <laughs> like you thought it was the universe, but it's eraser shavings. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. really cool. Like the, like the famous photo of him with the things behind his head that look like mm-hmm. these particles. It's eraser dust. Do you think that this is an ode to the asbestos? That's the snow in Wizard of Oz. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, knowing what we know now, it must be. It has to be. That was the only thing I could think of now. I'm trying to find Wizard of Oz clues. (laughs) (laughs) But so then he winds up just back in his apartment and there's this sense of, oh, God, we're back here. Oh, God, the baby's still crying. You kind of get that sense of like, this is just every day now. It will never stop. So he's back there, baby's still freaking out, Mary's just done, and he's kind of just, he seems like like broken, but also still kind of blank-faced, but broken while still being blank-faced, just like, I'm tired, mm-hmm. you know, like, I am cracked out. And so he goes and he gets a pair of scissors and he walks over to the baby and you're like, what is he going to do? And what he starts doing is like he starts cutting open that kind of wrap that the baby's been wearing mm. the whole time. Just like kind of to be like, what is just what's even under here? Basically, like he starts cutting it. And as he's cutting into it, the baby is moaning and like panicking, <gasps> you know, just like, oh, don't no. be doing this. Don't be doing oh, this. God, don't be oh, doing God. this. And when he cuts through it, like he doesn't reveal the baby underneath it. What he reveals is that the 
the fabric is kind of the baby. <gasps> no! And when he opens it up, it's just like, it's Organs. like you split up in a chicken. Like, it's no! just open. Like, he sees the, the <laughs> lungs and the goo. And the baby is in such pain. Oh, my God. It's like just whimpering and awful. miserable. Yeah, yeah. This is the part that you're not going to like. <laughs> yeah, you're after. It's happening. It's happening. We're in it. Yeah. Like, you see it kind of breathing, like the guts that are breathing. And he's just like, the expression on his face, I don't even know what the expression is. It's sort of like a mix of like, what have I done? Is this inevitable? I feel terrible. Maybe the best thing to do is to do what he does, which is just stab it to death to put it out of its misery. Mm-hmm. Because what else do you do? Like, it's definitely you already cut it dying. Open. You already cut it open, yeah. you know? Yeah. Okay, and then okay. all this goo, just in an in, in, impossible amount of goo, starts like <laughs> oh coming out of it. And it looks just so sad. And then it's like the goo gets like into chunkier goo. Ah! It's then, really like, nasty goo. This is horrible. <laughs> this is horrible. This is probably the worst baby content. I've ever heard. This is worse than the basket of babies in the sadness. Remember that huge old trash can? Oh my god! Is it worse than the baby in the witch? Have you oh, blocked like, it out? Yeah, uh, that's like turns into like a crow. Wait, what no, happens? No, no, no. She grinds baby? it up into like a I mortar and pestle. Locked that. Yeah, sorry. Out. I was like, no way. Is it worse than that? Completely. That one's worse. I remember her nursing. And she a crow. rubs it on herself. I don't remember that at all. Okay, and well, I'm not go- and I'm not going to remember this either. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> we're blocking it out. It's gone. But I cannot stress enough how much you feel that this baby is repulsive, but also it is so sad. It is yeah. so oh it's sad. Remember the sadness. It is so sad. It really is crazy how anytime I watch anything where something, creature, person animal and is like suffering it doesn't matter what the thing is the feeling of suffering mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. it's awful yeah. it's awful and it's like so visceral and you just want it to stop and there's like not it yeah it doesn't matter how nasty that baby is it's, you hear it suffering or see it and you're like oh my god no 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 like oh it's giving mm-hmm. me the creeps that's the thing i hate most about horror movies is the suffering it's tough it's just yeah. really tough yeah it's bad oh my god <laughs> Um, and then uh, while all this goo is coming out, the lights are going crazy now. Like the lights are flashing again. The sound design is very um, just Bunk like crawling, is really unhappy. crawling on your skin. Bunk is in my lap being like, what the fuck is happening? I don't like this. And then then the baby head becomes elongated kind of like the worm wormy guys bean sprouts that we've seen earlier so maybe that's what Bo was talking about this part <laughs> maybe it's this part and then it gets his head gets really big like dinosaur size big and no I'm using dinosaur I feel like a lot but it is it does look <laughs> like sometimes a it's right <laughs> like a like a t-rex size head well I don't actually know how big that would be but it's big bigger than a human head <laughs> yeah. how T- big do you think a t-rex up, head like, is like a size of a dresser too big to fathom there are a lot of different size dressers i feel like bigger <laughs> there's just a lot of different size dressers. <laughs> an ottoman and a dresser it's like a beanbag chair maybe oh really that's smaller than i would have thought but i guess it's just the head because yeah, the hands the are so tiny that it's hard to know Aww. it's hard to know based on the hands <laughs> but it is staring at him yep and it doesn't look happy yeah, and it doesn't, yeah. it's like flashing and like changing. It's 
in different parts of the room. It's getting bigger and moving around and staring at him. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? And then eventually it goes silent and dark. And how does it transition out of this room? Like the giant planety thing that we saw at the beginning explodes. You go inside darkness, I mm. guess. And then... That my no, my next note is who is ripped guy with gun and I feel like I blanked it out I'm like who is the ripped guy with the gun I don't remember that and I have oh, three I exclamation points I wrote who is ripped guy with gun hmm, there, must be, little, there, there must be a little there must be a little shot <laughs> ripped that. guy with a gun and we'll yeah. never know I missed <laughs> and then I also wrote I mean this is my last line I, in my notes I wrote sparks boils blonde lady embracing him in whiteness. He looks numbed, question, 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 peaceful, question, yeah, question, I, question. I wrote a he, at peace. <laughs> wow. Sometimes I want to, sometimes whenever, I rarely recap movies, but sometimes I want to just do an actual like live reading of the real actual notes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> because sometimes that's all you want is the stream of consciousness reaction mm-hmm. to whatever's happening. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's a wild one. So that, so that, the mashing of the ba- the cutting and the ma- uh, sorry, Henley of the baby. That's that's like that. That's like the, our big final act is the baby, he's and then the head gets big, and then and the then baby. then he's maybe free of being anxiety. Well, does he die too? Somehow, it feels like know. he dies. We'll never know. David Lynch we'll says. Never never know. Know. David Lynch says nobody has ever. I don't know if this is true. He says nobody has ever like correctly said what his exact influ- influence, other than I think the um, you know anxieties of fatherhood in general. But it's up to interpretation, Henley. It's all. It's all up to us what it means. Wow. Whoa. Okay, I could watch this movie except for the final, however, I don't know how long that sequence took, but I'll skip that part, but I'll watch the rest of it. That's fucking awful, because that is a worse fear is that you think you're doing something extremely benign and like out of curiosity or whatever, and then you're literally murdering your baby is horrible. I think there's a reading of it where it's not literal of like killing the baby, but just of like that part of the of fatherhood passes at some point and eventually you kind of get the hang of it could Mm -hmm. that's a more positive reading of it of like that it grows up to beanbag size Mm -hmm. Uh and then then you can relax a little bit (laughs) but Mm -hmm. you know again up for interpretation whoa how did you guys feel after watching this yeah what feeling are you left with emotionally Mm. drained and metallic (laughs) like yeah I had to immediately go do something cheerful and I was like this isn't gonna work out oh (laughs) yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. you needed like a a, like a spiritual cleanse Mm -hmm. yeah like even my boyfriend who loves David Lynch this is the movie that I think he's watched the least because he's like, oof, it's just a lot. Heavy. Yeah, I felt sad, but also also um, the joy of having seen a good movie, you know, like sometimes like I'm so excited by being like, wow, something like I had never seen before so well 
captured in a way that really mm. moved me. And that's exciting to experience. But the content is quite sad. <laughs> but it feels complete, too. Mm. Like, in a way, I feel like I trust this movie. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's a good way to describe I it. I do feel like I trust it. Like, I feel like yeah. he said something uh-huh. that he wants us to figure out what it is what on our own. he wanted to say. You know, he let he did it. He did it. It's yeah. confident. And it's not done with the intention of just like selling tickets. I feel like that's something we struggle with a little bit with horror movies these days is it's like, are you trying to say something or are you just trying to be like sensationalist for no reason? And he's like, obviously not doing that. Which is a relief, honestly. Exactly. Yeah. And I like, now that I'm like on board, not like I wasn't, I was like first watching David Lynch mm-hmm. movies, but now that I'm on board with the fact that he makes movies and he wants you to fill in the gaps with what it means to you, I really like that because I feel like a lot of horror has gotten kind of reductive. Like, mm-hmm. this is about how this is bad. Uh-huh. You know, don't do this. This yep. is a metaphor for, for this. Can you see it? Can you see the metaphor? Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> right. And it's, t- it's tired. Like, it was exciting for a minute, a hot minute, and now I'm tired of it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so I like this. It feels like, it feels like he trusts me to let me mm. watch this nightmare that he had about being a dad. Mm. <gasps> huge. Huge. Yeah, I feel Dang. excited to revisit some David Lynch films that I wrote off in the past. I'm I'm ready for it now. Wow. I'm in my David wow. Lynch era. That's exciting. Right? Because doesn't this make you see him as a human being with weaknesses and things that scared him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. It's great. I I'm mean, very curious. I'm very curious. I've never seen Twin Peaks. I want to watch it. I want to... I'm. This makes me very curious about him, generally. Yeah, what would you say, you mentioned Blue Velvet as maybe the most accessible one. What's a good starting point for people, would you say? Yeah, I would definitely say Blue Velvet. Yeah. Because cool. that's like, that's his one that's like really bright colored, neonish, like saturated red, saturated blue in the suburbs with like kind of a pretty clear story. <laughs> it's like about obsession and abuse and like you know, finding people who share your dirty secrets or wanting dirty secrets with people or like Mm. how small town life is corrupt under the surface. It's a lot of the stuff he'll like start to explore in Twin Peaks, but it, you know, it's like Kyle McLaughlin being a guy who has to come home. He starts to romance like his neighbor who's played by Laura Dern. She's like young. He finds an ear, like a severed ear and it leads him to the apartment of this mysterious woman who's Isabella Rossellini, who's in a really screwed up relationship with Dennis Hopper who's unhinged and like in inhaling gas the whole time and like yelling at people. Um, and it's all just like about Whoa. the dark side of desire. It's really, it's like, it's like what a everything in it you feels just dark made for this movie. It, oh my God. <laughs> oh yeah. Like when it came out, like Roger Ebert was like angry. He was like <laughs> mad at this movie. He was like, how could you put Isabella Rossellini through the things that that character goes through? But she's like, I love this movie. And it's like so dark and it really, Whoa. it feels really crazy thing for a it, film critic yeah. to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he got really moral this? about it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it was a little firebomb of a movie. Ooh. And I like a firebomb. We yeah. should do that one next. Wow. Will, you, will you watch it, Henley, and tell me Absolutely about it? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, I really feel wow. like I've read the Wikipedia plotline for Blue Velvet before. I definitely have. 
I, I have not. Have. And I, I, I would watch it. I would watch it. I've seen it's it another one I've, as hell. I've seen and I, I actually mm. don't really remember it and I don't really remember I mean, young Laura Dern is like, I'll take, to rewatch. Uh, I'll take in any way I can get. Mm. Mm. Oh, I want to know what you think if you do. Okay. And after he made that, like that kind of gave him the juice to do Twin Peaks. There's like That's a so story cool. from the set of Twin Peaks where Charlene Fenn, who plays, you know, like the beautiful bombshell Audrey on that show. Mm-hmm. She told him that she was thinking she wanted to have a baby and David Lynch just said, go take a look at a razor head first. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> she has a baby. She was like, okay, but. Okay, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. No, David Lynch should make a movie about being like a doula or a midwife. That like is about so he himself doing that. Funny to be like, okay, but watch, watch my weird movie about how much it sucks. <laughs> Hey, before you have a kid, let me show you how much I hated it. Mind you, David Lynch went on to have, I feel like, six more kids. I think he has seven kids. Okay, hypocrite. I would not want him to be the dad of my kids, if that's his point of view. (laughs) Having a kid at 22 is a specific way to be a father. That's fair. That's crazy. Yeah. Have you guys seen the movie made by his daughter that it, I think this is sort of inspired by Jennifer Lynch? No. She was the one that he had when he was young. Like, <gasps> and she was born with club feet, so she had kind of like a deformity that they had to deal with when he was really young. She made a movie called Boxing Helena with Sherilyn no. Fenn. No, I haven't Whoa. seen it. I'm just going to put that on your radar. Okay. That's okay. All. Put it on your radar. Whoa. There you Ooh, go. This is exciting. Okay. I feel thrilled about all the movies I have to watch. Movies are so great, you guys. I love yeah, them. Yeah, you do. You really love I movies. I really love movies. We and really I think movies. this went re- really well, surprisingly well. I think we had a tough task. I had a great I liked recapping it. Eraserhead, and I think we fucking knocked it out. I freakishly <laughs> liked it, although I, I, could I picture... already forget the end. I don't remember what happened. Oh my God, that's so <laughs> shocking. That's so shocking. I'll tell you, Henley, remember first about how in The Witch um, there's a baby <laughs> <Nope>. that. <laughs> no. No, I won't. I won't and that's that. how I get through the day. Okay, you guys? Yeah, you know what? And I respect it. Um, oh, wow. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if what I was seeing in my head is correct to what the movie is, but I saw a full movie in my head based on these descriptions, and I feel satisfied. Great. That's yeah. all we can Amy, hope thank for. thank you, Amy. So much. Thank you. My pleasure, so you guys. Uh, tell our <laughs> listeners, Amy, about, um, about your other podcast, about your book, about where they can check you out any recommendations you might have i feel like you're just such a wealth of knowledge <laughs> totally uh uh well i review movies for the new york times that's my highfalutin thing mm-hmm. um but really i uh i wrote a book on tom cruise that's true about like him as <laughs> an artist you know like not the biography of like oh and then he did so and so and oh my god and did you know that he used to like Date share or whatever. Um, I did not know that. Actually, I don't know if he did or if that was. Oh, okay. uh, it was either him or Val Kilmer. One of them was dating share oh, <laughs> when they were making Top Gun. Uh, it's more just about like, hey, this guy's actually a really good actor. It was kind okay, of like Amy. We, I, I have yeah. to tell you, like, I I have hovered you over so. Okay, I have like hovered this. over opening my browser this entire time to just to go to get that book get your book immediately and yep. I keep being like wait till the wait till the, wait till the pocket but I like I like it was almost like it like I wasn't in control of it like I would like feel my arm moving to be like go buy the book and then I was like you have you have to wait um but yeah I mean oh my god oh my god you wrote a book yeah, on Tom Cruise Emily, Emily's brain Emily is exploding is obsessed oh, it's huge, all I ever want to talk in huge Tom Cruise fan Tom huge Cruise, Tom Cruise fan cats 
what else is there? <laughs> I just hope that like this Oscar nom he got for best picture and knowing that he had like the number one box office movie of the year can like put his blockbuster era to bed and he mm. can go back to actually trying to get like real act, real performances for things like Magnolia. Oh my That's God. That's what I want for him. That's I mean, his I body so can't good. keep doing, uh, look, I, well, I love, love Mission Impossible. I love Maverick. I, I love watching him do crazy fucking stunts, but also like eventually He's going to hit a limit on that, but he's not going to hit a limit on his ability to act. And I want no, I no. want it all. I want it all. <laughs> and yeah, I should say um, I do that podcast with Paul Scheer, the lovely comedian. He does like, how did this get made? We do a podcast on movies we actually really like. It started by doing uh, the AFI Top 100. And we went through all of those. And now we're kind of blazing our own trail. We actually did an episode on Blue Velvet recently because we were, we were doing kind of like a mini on controversial movies. And so that's why I was like. Roger Ebert was so mad. Uh, but that podcast <laughs> is called Unspooled. And then I'm hosting kind of a mini thing that we're in the middle of right now call, um, called the AMC Mayfair Witches Pod. You know, Mayfair Witches is the book that Anne Rice wrote when she moved back to New Orleans after she was rich and famous for doing Interview with a Vampire. And it's her book about female power and New Orleans and family and legacy. And I've been doing the podcast where I get to interview like the cast and crew about making this movie. And I will say, like, when you talk to anybody about witches and witchcraft, they just are fascinating. Like yeah. it's just like the portal into getting people to be super, super weird. And so all the conversations we've been doing in the pod are great. Like my highlight so far is that Harry Hamlin took out his iPhone and started showing me a video he took of two rattlesnakes having sex. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. What? Uh, so a video yeah, that he good. took. He took. Okay. I called him a snake pornographer to his face and he didn't kill me. So thank you, Harry, <laughs> for is. that. I appreciate it. Not killing me. He literally he is. is. And he wanted he, you to know. That's he was all like, it right, takes. Yes. And he did it. Yeah, he did it, man. What it's does on that his even resume look like? Are this like one on top of the other? Is it like a vertical situation? I would think they'd be like They're kind of corkscrewed. Kind of like Are they like spooning? They're oh, like, <laughs> like London bridging, I guess. Or they're, 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 Harry, yeah. send us the video. We got to see Whoa, this. Video. London bridging. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> wow, wow. The more you know, the more you know. So thank you, Harry. So thank you to that pod. It's been a lot of fun. Woo! And this has been so much fun. So thank you guys for having me. Thank oh my you for gosh! Thank on. you for this. This was a big, a big task, I think, and uh, couldn't couldn't have been done by just anyone. So thank you for for doing this. And good luck with the bun cakes and the baking i really do believe in you and i think it's a long game and again like you know you get you get goodies and that's a great thing that's a great thing to have thank you i will share i'll bring them to the to the flea market the next time oh my god perfect perfect. um and we end the podcast with a voice there wasn't really a voice in this um i can i can sing sing that song i do love try to sing our outro in that tune Okay. From all of us here at Too Scary Didn't Watch. That was pretty oh, good. That, I, I, <laughs> guys, I guys know I have no but I really Gorgeous. liked it. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Wow. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Too Scary Didn't Watch. If you like the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can follow us on social media at TSDW Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And if one episode a week just is not enough for you, head on over to patreon.com slash TSDW Podcast to become a patron and receive all sorts of extra goodies from us, including bonus episodes, trailer reactions, and more. And no matter what, we will see you 
right here next week for another episode. We love you so much. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast.